Awesome. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Labor Day weekend. Everybody good? Man, kids, y'all get two days off uh, this week. What are y'all going to do? I don't know. I got some chores in my house uh, for my kids. So, hey, uh, my name is Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Central, and I'm glad you guys are here with us today. Thank you for watching everyone that's online with us today. And we are in the middle of, in fact, we're ending our series today on a series called Hidden Reefs. And I want you guys to have an opportunity to take notes and take those home with you. So on the screens all around here, there's a QR code. Just scan that. We'll leave that up there for a while um, as we get going so you can have uh, the notes for today. Well, this week, our uh, new missions pastor and I, we, we went and had some, had some lunch. And, you know, you would think that when we pastors go to lunch, we're thinking about all this spiritual stuff. And we're talking about life and how to, how to do ministry. And we're talking about missions. But that's not really what happened. We ended up just talking about motorcycles. Um, just, you know, and... And, and we, we got onto the, you know, guys always comparing, you know, like, I'm, I'm better than you kind of a thing. And so we started talking about how fast we've gone on a motorcycle. And we both realized that we've both, Ben and I, that we've both gone about 120 miles an hour on a motorcycle. And, you know, yeah, it's not one of, something I want to talk about a lot because it was scary. I mean, the, the time I was going 120, I wasn't even driving it, okay? I was on the back of the motorcycle, and someone else was driving. I looked at the, at the speedometer, and I was like, all right, and I am done. And so um, I wanted to get off the motorcycle really fast, because it was that gut-riching feeling, that, that scary feeling, it's like when you're going on a, a roller coaster, or you kind of jump off of a cliff into the water, or, you know, just those kind of moments where it's scary because it's a little bit dangerous, you know? And that's kind of what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, this idea of these dangerous reefs in life that are just um, out of reach and they are, we're, they're coming up fast and we need to know about them. And in fact, let me give you a little recap of what we've been talking about. So two weeks ago, we talked about how in this life, there's these reefs of, of our culture that teaches us to, to not follow God, but to follow the ways of, of, of the world. And to, it even entices us to, to like abandon God and his and beliefs and the word. And, and it can be a dangerous thing. And it's something that's out there. And we got to be careful about it. Last week, we talked about the, we did the good old sermon about, you know, following your heart and how dangerous it is to, to follow your heart because your, your heart is swayed by so many different things every single day, and we should follow something that, that's, that's more foundational, which is, which is the Lord. We should follow him instead of our own hearts when we're making decisions. And that's something that's, that's out there, and we got to be careful about it. It's dangerous. Well, Jude is going to come down to, at the very end, um, just this, this final critical moment at the end of the, the letter of, of Jude. Now, football season has just begun, thank the Lord, and so yesterday I got to watch uh, quite a bit of football and watch my Aggies uh, win convincingly, and they just looked like world champions, and uh, we'll see what happens next week. But, you know, it, it was great to, to watch some football, and, you know, if you ever played sports, you know that those kind of those critical moments that are kind of gut-wrenching, I think about the, the kicker. You know, the kicker's got the worst job, you know, that they just sit on the, they got the best job and the worst job. You know, they could be the hero or they could be the zero, you know, the same in the same game. Um, and you, the kicker, they, they practice all the time. They get out there and they, they kick the 50-yarder in practice, the 55-yarder in the practice. They're kicking 65-yarders in practice. But when they get in the game, everything's different. Everything's different because there's a huge crowd around them. 
your entire team has been playing all game, and, and it all comes down to your foot, and it's got to kick the ball in between the goalposts, and you also realize that you're on national TV, and there's all this extra pressure, and so sometimes kickers just, just choke in the middle of that critical moment. Well, we're in the middle of this critical moment in, in Jude, because Jude is talking about these hidden reefs that are out in front of us. But we've kind of been visualizing these hidden reefs like we're on this ship or on this boat and it's just calm waters. And we're like, I don't know, is that a reef out there? I'm not really sure. Like everything is just nice and easy in this life. But the truth is, is that most of us, we're in a storm. So I want you to imagine that you're not just going in life down this, this beautiful um, open water, but you're in the middle of a storm, and there are hidden reefs out there. And it is so dangerous in that scenario because you can't even see them, right? And these storms of life can really cause you to shipwreck because you can't see what is out in front of you. And so it's this critical moment that Jude is going to say, you know what, I understand that, and I'm going to give you some, an action plan. Uh, and it's, it's like this, in case of emergency, break glass kind of moment. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't know when that time's going to come, but when you are in this emergency, man, you want to have a plan of action and know what to do and where to go so that you can be safe. And Jude is going to help us to know that at the very end of it. So you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And Jude, we're going to start in verse 20, and we're going to go to the end of it. It's just, you know, Jude's only 25 verses total. There's no chapters, it's just 25 verses. And we're going to look at the very end of it today. And he's going to give us this emergency procedure for, for navigating these, these hidden reefs while we're in the middle of storms that are, are raging in our, in our lives. Now, I need to clarify something. There's a difference between... The, the, the hidden reefs and the storms. You see, the, the storms in our lives are things that God allows to happen. God knows they're going to happen. He allows those things to happen. And in the middle of that, it's a chance for us to either run from him or to run to him and to grow. And, and the Bible says that it builds up our endurance and it helps shape us in, in, our, in our faith. But the hidden reefs that are out there are not things that God wants for you. It is actually dumb decisions and bad choices that we make. But when you're in the middle of a storm, it's so hard to see those things. And it's so easy to make some bad choices. And it's dangerous. And Jude says, I've got, I've got a plan of action. So let's look in verse 20. And I'll put everything up on the screen here for you. If you want to read along, but here's what he says. But you, dear friends, let me give you the, the plan of action here, okay? You must build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. And in this way, when you do those things, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. So here, Jude gives us this detailed plan of how to navigate hidden reefs. And what he says is you've got to keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself safe in God's love, where he's like the anchor in your, in your life. And um, I don't know if you're kind of a, any movie buffs in here, but one of the movies I like a lot is a movie came out in 2003. And it was called Master and Commander with Russell Crowe. Anybody seen that? It was like set in the early 1800s, and he's a British naval captain, and they're running from the French, and it's just all this stuff. And there's this one scene where they're in the middle of this raging storm, and it's about to, to sink their ship. And there's this old guy that's been in the, the Navy for a really long time, and he should have retired. 
retired a long time ago, and he's, he's there, and everybody's kind of freaking out, and he's just hanging on and just kind of grinning and smiling. He's got like two hairs left, you know, and like no teeth, and he's just grinning and smiling. And he has tattooed on his, on his, uh, on his, on his hands the word hold, the two words hold fast. And you see that's a picture from the, the movie right there. He says, she says, hold fast. And so if we think about sailing terms, this is actually kind of what Jude is talking about, that when storms are raging in our lives, we need, to, we need to hold fast. And that's actually how we are safe in God's love. And the Bible uses, doesn't use the word hold fast, it uses the word steadfast. You heard that word in the Bible? Steadfast. It's used 221 times in the Bible. Most of the time it's an attribute of God, that God is steadfast. But it also is, is talking about, it's an expectation for us that we are to endure patiently. That's kind of what it means, to endure patiently whatever life is throwing at, at you, to, to remain steadfast, to, to hold fast. And what it means is for us to be confident and also grounded. So think about it this way. For those of us who remain steadfast as believers in Christ, we are confident in something. What we're confident in is is Jesus. Like we have heard that song and we've sung that song, I have decided to follow Jesus, right? And what what is the next phrase? No turning back. What that means is no matter what happens, I'm I'm not abandoning him. I'm going to continue in my faith. I am I am confident in him. And when you're grounded in your faith, what it means is that that you're grounded in in truth, that no matter what modern thing comes our way, no matter what unbiblical truth seeps into the church or into your your mind or onto your your Instagram feed, no matter what happens, you're not going to budge from your faith because you're grounded in that, being confidently grounded. That's what it means to be steadfast. So how can we do that? How can we remain steadfast? How can we hold fast in this life? Well, Jude teaches us. So let me start back over in verse 20. We're going to look at some things that I've underlined here. Here's what he says. The first thing you got to do is you got to build each other up. You got to build each other up. What that means is that we have to grab on to someone. I want you to imagine that you're on top of the ship, okay? And it's not just clear sailing, but you're in the middle of the storm, middle of the night, you think the ship is about to capsize, you got to hold on to somebody. In this life, you have to hold on to somebody. What that means is you got to be in community. This is not a life, and we're not in a situation where being alone is a good thing. We need people in our lives, especially when they're in the middle of storms, especially when there are some bad decisions just around the corner that we may make. We need some people in our lives that can help us. we got to build each other up. And the Bible talks a lot about, about being together in community, like Hebrews 10.24 says that we're supposed to motivate each other to love and acts of good works. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says that two people are better than one, and the bond that they They form together is way stronger than if they were by themselves. And Proverbs 27, 17 says that, you know, as as iron sharpens iron, as two metals are rubbed next to each other, they sharpen each other. So so we should as well, that we should sharpen each other in our our faith. We have to be in community. So Jude at the very beginning says, here's what you got to do. You got to build each other up. You got to grab on to someone. You need people in your life who are helping you in the middle of the storm. But he doesn't end there. He says this. He says, build each other up in your most holy faith. 
in your most holy faith. And what he's saying here is that you have to, you got to set your feet. You need a firm foundation in your faith in the middle of the storms. Last year, uh, some of our people from our church, we got to go to Israel. And this is my shameless plug to go to Israel. We're going again in, in uh, May, uh, June time next year. So if you want to sign up for that, go for it. It's going to be triple I time. But we were actually in the Jordan River baptizing each other. It was awesome. I look around like, yeah, I was there. Okay, so, so it was an amazing experience, this muddy kind of water. They say that's where Jesus, the exact spot where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And so we're in this water. But now, when we, we're going to the water, um, the, there's this, there this railing kind of out there in the water, and our guide says, hey, don't go past that. Because if you go past that, you're no longer in Israel. You're in Jordan, okay? You're in this Muslim country, Jordan. And, and in fact, right on the other side of, the, of the, the, the river, it's only about 20 yards wide, is this Jordanian guard with an AK-47 just like staring at you. Like, just try me, right? And so, so we're out in this water trying to baptize each other, and the water is kind of flowing. And, and you would think that you would just kind of just ease on out in the water, be nice and like sandy on the bottom, but it wasn't at all. It was these big, slippery, mossy rocks. And, and in fact, if you, if you fell back even too far, you would actually go down into the current and kind of, kind of sweep you away. And so there's this guardrail right there, and we're trying to baptize each other, trying to, hang, trying, to, trying to balance on top of all these rocks, and we're falling back. And I'm just like, the guy's right behind me. He's going to shoot me if I, like, touch the rail. I, I was just so nervous about that. Um, but but it's, it's a great example of, in this life, sometimes... Our feet are, are not settled. We have to set our feet, feet. If you're in the middle of a storm and you're on top of a, of a ship on, on, the, on the top deck and you're hanging on to someone, you're not also not going to be just doing this, right? You're not going to be on one foot. You're not going to be on your toes. You're going to be in this stance like a football player where you're not going to knock me down. In the storms of this life, we have to set our feet on something that is more secure than just our feelings, and our personal wisdom. What we have to do is we have to set our feet in our faith. And what that means is we've got to set our feet on God's word. Do you know the word? I'm not talking about just hearing it on Sunday morning. I'm talking about in your bed, in the evenings, with your highlighter, studying scripture, Stopping, thinking, and praying, and letting it soak into your life. We have to know the word more than just on Sunday mornings. We have to know the word in such a way that it penetrates our hearts and helps, us, helps, helps shape the decisions of our lives. And when we do, the Bible is very clear that something is going to happen, which is awesome. Here's what Ephesians chapter 4 says. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. Amen? Like no one wants to be like that in our faith. It says, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. But that saying is that when you or a steadfast person is someone who has a strong foundation. We've set our feet. We're not tossed around by other things. We know what we believe. That's what we gotta do. In the middle of these storms, we have to be in the word. But Jude doesn't end there. He goes on in the last part of, of verse 20, and he says, and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you think about it, you, you got your, your hand, you're hanging on to someone, you got your, your feet set. But you know what? We also gotta, we gotta pray for help. We gotta call for help to the Lord. 
This is the opportunity to, to give out that SOS signal because in this life, you are going to go through battles. And then we could call those storms or battles or whatever, but it may be in your marriage, it may be with your kids, I mean, maybe with your, your job, in your community. There's all sorts of different things that are happening in every single one of our lives. And you're either going through it right now, you're in a battle, or you're in between battles. And you're going to be in a battle pretty soon. Sometimes we have these personal battles. I think about the storm of doubt that a lot of people deal with. And we think that God doesn't love me. We think that we're not good enough. We think that there's no way. Like, if God knew all the things, and he does, so you're like, oh, great. He knows all those things. There's no way. There's no way he's going to love me. There's no way he's going to save me. There's no way he's going to fix this thing that is going on in my life. And we wander for years. We're in this storm for years of doubting God. I think about in our own families. We have these storms of personalities. And if you've ever lived with someone for five minutes, <laughs> we clash, don't we? I don't care how much, how much you're in love with someone. Like, you're going to clash because you have two sinners trying to live together, right? It happens with spouses. It happens with parents and their, their kids. It happens with siblings. We clash all the time. That's, that's going to be a heavy storm that can wreck everything in your life. doesn't matter how, how good work is going or good school is going. If your family life is a wreck, that's a, that's a big storm to try to deal with. Some of us have dealt with loss. Dealing with depression, anxiety, hopelessness. And you're just in this middle of this storm where it doesn't matter how many hours you have in the day or how much money's in the bank. Like, it's not going to get fixed. You're hopeless. And so the Bible says in the middle of that storm where you can't control things, to pray, to call for help. And sometimes, you ever been where, where you don't know what to pray? Like life, you're just so overwhelmed, you don't even know what to pray. Like I know I need to pray, I just don't know what to pray. And you kind of just like, God help me. <laughs> you know, that's the only thing that you can do. It's a cry for help, and that's exactly what God wants you to do. And here's something amazing that happens in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 says this, and the Holy Spirit, he helps us in our weaknesses. When we don't know what to pray, he helps us. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit, he prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. What that saying is that in the middle of the storms, when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray for you if you cry for help. So the storm is raging and, and the, the reef is nearby and you're, you're, you're just trying to, to hold fast. Here's what you got to do. You got you to be grabbing onto someone else. For support, you got to be grounded in the truth, in the word. So no matter what happens in this life, you are stable in, in your, your relationship with God. But you know what? we got to call for help. we got to call out for help. But Jude isn't finished. He's going to give us one more thing. And it's this, it's this personal responsibility that, that all of us have. Even in the middle of our, of our, middle of our own storms, there's this outward focus that we have to have. Look what he says in Jude 22 and 23. So we're reading on in this, this passage. He says this. And you must show mercy. You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. 
Anybody know anybody like that? Their faith is wavering. We're called to show mercy to them, not to cut them off, not to push them aside. We're to show mercy to them. And he goes on and says, you're supposed to rescue others by snatching them from the the flames of judgment and show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Let me explain what that means. What that's saying is that people matter. In the middle of your own storm, people matter. They matter to God and they matter to us. They have to matter to us. And no matter what you're going through in this life, here's one thing you have to do. You got to keep one hand free. You got to keep one hand free, not for yourself, but for other people. I know this is kind of asking a lot because there's a lot of times where we're in the middle of a storm and <laughs> the pile of personal problems is like a mountain. But in the middle of that, we're called to be Christ-like. Even in the middle of our own personal stuff where you can't even think about helping someone else out, the Bible says we're called to be Christ-like. And that can be a a tough ask sometimes. But that's what Jesus did. That's what it means to be Christ-like. Jesus, in the middle of all of his pain and suffering, you know what he did? He reached out for other people. He comforted other people. In the middle of him being accused and beat and mocked. Talk about an opportunity to be selfish. He wasn't like that. He reached out still to other people, even to people who the culture said were sinners. You see, he didn't hate sinners. He hates sin. That's exactly what the end of verse 23 says, that we're, we're supposed to hate that sin, but not that person at all. He was, he was a rescuer. Think about the time that he reached down and, and saved Peter when Peter was drowning in the middle of his own personal storm. And he reached down and saved him. And then he, he went in from town to town and he would touch people who were sick and he would, he would heal them. And people who were without hope, you know what he did? He actually gave them hope like they'd never had in their entire life. He was a rescuer. And you and I, this is the beauty of Christianity. It's not just about us. We are called to be rescuers as well, with one hand free. And I would say if we're to hang on to anything, it's probably just a life preserver, <laughs> you know? We were on a ship on that cruise over the summer, and there was these life preservers everywhere, but I, I looked at them, I was like, wait, they're, they have like these electronic gadgets on them, and I realized if you take the, the life preserver off, like the alarm is going to go off, like the whole ship would know that someone went overboard. And so I didn't try. I was kind of tempted, but I was like, ah, I'm not going to do it. But like, I mean, think about it. Like a life, what's the purpose of a life preserver? It's not for you just to, to carry around. It's when someone goes overboard and you throw that out there to help them. In this life, there are some people who were not grounded. They have not been grounded in the word. They did not have people next to them to help them. They were not crying out for help. And when in the middle of the storm, when there's a hidden reef right in front of them, a bad choice, a bad decision, they have fallen overboard and they're about to crash into that reef. And we just to look at them? Or are we to reach out to them? The Bible says we're supposed to reach out, just like Jesus did, and to throw that life preserver out. But the problem is, too often, here's, here's kind of the Christian life. We're hanging on for dear life in a world we feel like has gone to hell, you know? And, like, and you have this selfish double grip on things, and you're just trying to, to get by. And you have no really time for anybody else. And the truth is, is that's kind of a sad existence. Because there's a purpose for the things that you're going through. In fact, James chapter 1 describes it. Here's what it says. It says, dear brothers and sisters, 
when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. I hate that verse, right? I guess that's a rough verse. I love that verse, but you know what I mean. Like, it's just, it's just man, anytime you're going through troubles, man, clap about it. Thank God for it. Man, that's tough, but it describes why. It says this, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing or lacking nothing. What that's saying is the more that you go through in this life, the more endurance you're going to build up and the greater your grip strength is going to be to be able to deal with things in this life. I mean, think about it. If you've been walking with Jesus for 40 years, you've gone through some stuff, guys. And you're going through maybe some things that when you were a baby Christian, that have been very difficult for you to go through. But you have this grip strength. But the reality is it's not just for you. That grip strength is also so that you can reach out and help someone else. Think about that. Every single one of us has stories of things we were going through and we, didn't have, we had no idea how we were going to get through it. You know what happened? Someone helped us get through it. Someone who had been there before. In the same way, you're going through things and you have gone through things so that someday, maybe it's even today, where you can reach out and help someone else. You say, you know what, I've been there. I have that grip strength. I want to help you through this. It's our calling. It's not just us trying to survive on our own. We're called to help each other. That's being Christ-like. Okay, so to wrap this up, I want you to kind of go back to the storm scenario in your imaginative brains here. That you're on top of the, uh, of the ship and the storm is raging. You're holding fast, right? But the hidden reefs are, are still out there. And you can't see them at all. And when your ship actually crashes into one of those hidden reefs... It doesn't matter how good your foundation is or how, how strong you're hanging on to things. Like, you're still going to go into the water. You're still going to crash. So what do you do? What do you do? Let me give you the last point of how to actually navigate these hidden reefs. It's another sailing term that when the storm's raging, here's what you have to do. You've got to stay true you got to stay true. It's, it's actually a, a sailing term of when you call out to the one who is steering the, the ship to stay true to the compass heading, the way that we're supposed to go, where the, the, the map tells us to go, to not veer off course in the middle of the storm, to stay in that direction. We have to stay true. And this is actually how Jude finishes it. It's beautiful. Look at verse 24 and 25. He says, now all glory to God. So the, the the subject is no longer us. It's talking about God. It says, not all glory to God who is able, here's what he's able to do, to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. He's able to do that. And then it says this, all glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. That's kind of a beautiful ending, kind of a poetic ending. But what it's talking, it's talking about is that the only way to really stay true is to let God steer the ship. You've got to let God steer the ship. I feel like I should get the band out here. We sing like Jesus take the wheel or something like that. We're not going to do that. That would be super corny, right? We're not going to do that. But make sure you think about that. But that's, that's true. Let me say this. You can't steer your life alone. 
You may feel like you're independent and like you're on this solo voyage around the world and through this life, but you are not. God is there with you and he wants to guide you. And he's honestly the only one that actually knows which way to go. He's done this before, guys. <laughs> he's done this before. He knows which way to go. He knows where those hidden reefs are and he will guide you around those things if you let him have the will. So here's my question to you. Will you let him steer the ship? Who is the captain of your ship? Are you trying to wrestle the wheel away from God? You can do all those things right, but if you don't give God control, you're still going to wreck your life. Last week we talked in Proverbs chapter, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, kind of a famous passage, but it says, Trust in the Lord. Don't depend on your own understanding. And he's going to do something for you. He will show you which path to take. You know, some of us, we've been trusting in ourselves to navigate us in this life. We've been trusting in our own way. Let me ask this. How's that going for you? <laughs> how's that going? Some of us, we need to let, let, let go and let God have control of the, of the wheel. You know what that's called? Faith. Right? It's, that's what faith is. It's when you are trying to earn your way either into heaven or through this life, and you say, God, I've got this. But faith is saying, God, I don't have this. I need your help. Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you just heard a bunch of stuff over and over again every Sunday? Or have you truly put your faith in Jesus who died on the cross for you? You've been trying to navigate your sin problems and navigate your way to eternity with God. And the truth is, you don't know how to do that. But God does. And it's through a relationship with Jesus. Some of us, we have done that. We've said, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm putting my faith in, I'm putting my trust in you. But let me ask this Are you holding fast? Do you have community? Are you trying to navigate all alone? I know some people are like, well, I'm just, I just don't like people. You know, I'm an introvert. I don't care. We need people in our lives, right? You need other people. Maybe, maybe just one other person, okay? Maybe you can handle that. But we need people together. Don't do this life alone. Are you set on God's word? Do you know it? Do you study it? Do you meditate on it? Do you let it penetrate your heart? And do you let it make decisions for you before you find yourself in a bad situation? Are you praying to God for help? Do you have that relationship with him? And are you reaching out to other people? That is how we hold fast. And when you do, this is how it ends. It's beautiful. This is how Jude finishes. It says when you do that, when you let God have the steering wheel and when you're holding fast, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be saved from so many shipwrecked moments. Some of them you will never even know about. Maybe one day in heaven you could see all the times that God saved you because of how the decisions you're making over here. And the beauty of it is, the very end, Jude says this. He says, God will get the glory in your life. Now what does that mean? What that means is 
He may use you to save someone else. He may use you to turn someone from where they were going into a relationship with him. He may use you to throw out that life preserver. And he may save you in your life so you can give him glory. How beautiful is that? What a great existence that is and a life that is. And Jude says, here's how you navigate those things, guys. It's a dangerous world, but God's got a plan. Will you trust him? Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for the lesson today. Thank you for Jude. And um, it's a short little letter, but it's so impactful. I thank you for everyone that's here this morning, everyone watching online. And I don't know where everybody's at, but I know that we're either in a storm or we're going to be in a storm. And the truth is, is that in the middle of those storms, sometimes we make some poor choices and poor decisions because we're just trying to survive. We're trying not to hurt anymore. We're trying to get through it. But God, you've given us some clear steps of finding community. Help us, God, if we don't have community, God, put community in front of us. Give us and encourage us with opportunities to to reach out and make some new friends, some people we can walk through life with. Maybe we've neglected some people, God, and we need to repent of that and and restore those relationships because we need each other. God, if we've been struggling in our faith and in that foundation, we don't know your word. We don't know you. We feel distant. I pray, Lord, that you would give us opportunities, encourage us to, to read your word and to study it, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. And may it transform our hearts. Help us, Lord, as we call out to you to also reach out to other people. God, use us in a powerful way. Use this church in a powerful way. to save others, to change others, and to let other people know there's a God that loves them. God, we give you control of our lives. I pray if there's anyone in this room who has never let go of that steering wheel and said, God, you have it. I'm trusting in you for salvation. I believe I'm a sinner. I need a savior, and Jesus died to pay for my sins. I want to ask him to be in my life save me. I pray that maybe today is the day of salvation. Help us, God, to release control and to trust you and put our faith in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we wanna just say, welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, If you're someone who during the message, you thought, you know what? I want to know more about Christ. I wanna give my life to Jesus. And I I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Uh, We want to connect with you. So if you could text forgiven to 94,000, And that way, one of our ministers can reach out to you and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, Here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything.
Sigue a saber.